Hello, and welcome back to Rad's Basement, the podcast where nerd is never a bad word. How about that theme song? I've never really talked about it that much. Um, I don't know if anybody knows this. It's my sister, Kristen, singing my theme song. And uh, she did a really good job. Um, I just one day decided that I wanted my podcast to have a theme song, and I talked to her about it, and she was real excited about it. So I was really grateful that she was uh, willing to do that for me. She did the singing. She did the instruments. She did everything, man. And then we took it over to uh, a buddy of hers, this guy, Sean Gort, Gort Audio Productions. He handled all the mixing and everything, and uh, basically took the theme song out of my brain and made it you know, exist in the real world. And it was just amazing that he was able to do that. I was just like so happy to have both of them take care of that for me. It's uh, I thought it came out pretty good. So today, episode six, it's a snow day. What I mean by that is it's snowing. We're snowed in. I can't get to any guests today. Winter finally arrived in Chicago. So it's just me today. I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to talk to you. And, uh, you know, if you don't like it, you can shut it off, I guess. But, uh, yeah, no guests or anything. Basically, I had somebody in mind. Uh, they live in downtown Chicago. And that's one place you really don't want to be when it's snowing real hard is, uh, you know, any metropolitan area. You just kind of want to stay away from that. So, I have a Jeep Wrangler. It's not like I can handle driving in the snow. It's just, yeah, I don't want to drive downtown. That's that's really the bottom line. So I said, you know what? We'll take a snow day. But, I, you know, I thought about just skipping. I'm like, you know, maybe I could just have another episode next week with a guest. But, you know, why do that? I could just have an episode by myself. It's no big deal. I got stuff to talk about. Doesn't matter. Oh, speaking of music, right now I'm listening to a bunch of game soundtracks on vinyl. And I've talked about this before in the past, how, you know, I'm kind of like a video game soundtrack snob now. I'm listening to them on vinyl, which is completely backwards and opposite way that you should be listening to vinyl. It's like vinyl, like the big draw of vinyl is that there's no compression. It's like the actual music as it was recorded whereas you know cds or or you know anything like that they use like compression so the sound isn't as realistic supposedly i can't hear a difference to be honest you know with my human ears but some people say music sounds better on vinyl which is true with you know any analog recording that's out there but with video game music it's recorded digitally so you're taking digital music and then you're transferring it to an analog medium. It's kind of like, well, that's silly and backwards. There's really no point. Uh, the point for me is, you know, uh, South Park did a whole season about this, how it's just like, you know, the world sucks and everybody's kind of like right now remembering things that they loved from their childhood, remembering better times and trying to, you know, just escape, you know, everything that's going on in the world, you know, the election and all these terrible things. You just go on Facebook and it's like a cesspool of all this horrible, you know, I unfollowed so many people that were just posting all this political nonsense. It's like, you know, everybody seems to have forgotten the lesson from Star Trek VI. And there's a line that Spock has in Star Trek VI and they're having this big, like, this big hullabaloo with the Klingons where it's like the Klingons are proposing peace and all of this. And everybody's like really scared because all they've ever known is like, you know, war with the Klingons. So now they're proposing peace. People are all like freaking out about this. And Spock says, you know, we've, got, we've just got to have faith and, you know, they're like, what do you mean faith? He's like, well, faith that the universe will unfold as it should. So, you know, everybody worried about all this politics just kind of need to, you know, eh, things will unfold as they should. Just listen to Mr. Spock, man. That's all you got to do. Anyway, game soundtracks on vinyl. That's why I'm listening to them. It's just like it has there's there's no 
point. It's completely backwards to listen to digital music on vinyl, but I'm doing it because it reminds me of an old time, you know, putting that record on that turntable and watching it spin. It's like, it's old, it's archaic, it's just, it's neat to me. I could go on my iPhone and Bluetooth it over to my stereo or, you know, I, there's a million different ways I could listen to it. I choose to do it by, you know, going through the trouble of taking out a record out of a sleeve and putting it on a turntable and waiting for it to spin. And then I'm playing it back on a stereo that has vacuum tubes that I have to wait for it to warm up before I can even listen to the music. You know what? It just reminds me of a simpler time, an older time. And it's fun to me. It's nostalgic to me. I, that's really the only explanation I could give why I'm doing it. But there's a couple companies right now that are doing like really, really nice. Like They're not only releasing the albums on vinyl, but they're like these beautiful colored vinyls these translucent colored vinyls and they're in just very nice just beautiful packaging with wonderful artwork from the original games they came from and all this um, there's a company called data discs and data discs is doing a lot of sega centric stuff so i've got like streets of rage from them i've got shenmue from them streets of rage 2 um a couple other ones and right now in fact just yesterday or day before yesterday i ordered a revenge of shinobi from genesis which is another yuzo kashiro one of my favorite soundtracks i really like that one now the cool thing about revenge of shinobi is that they were releasing it in a special edition where they're doing a lottery where if you pre-order the special edition version of it uh it may or may not come signed by yuzo kashiro so i was like hey i'll get on board with that i have yuzo kashiro's signature like twice over already but yeah, it's just something cool. It'd be neat to have it, you know, the Revenge of Shinobi Genesis soundtrack vinyl album signed by Yuzo Koshiro. Why not? So I jumped on that. And uh, I also realized that I forgot that before Shinobi, their previous release was uh, Golden Axe 1 and 2. Side A is Golden Axe 1, Side B is Golden Axe 2, again from the Genesis. And then uh, the Outrun soundtrack. Now, I believe the Outrun is the arcade soundtrack, but that's another one that I used to listen to all the time. I would have people in my car and I would force them to listen to this cassette tape that I had uh, that I believe Martin Alessi gave me that had like Afterburner, Outrun and uh, the Ninja Warrior soundtrack, this famous uh, cassette tape that anybody knows me and sat in my car, had to listen to these soundtracks all the time. So Outrun on vinyl, of course, you know, I got to have that one. So Data Discs, definitely check them out if you're thinking about doing something weird like, uh, I don't know, starting a video game vinyl soundtrack collection. They're doing some pretty cool stuff. Um, the other company that just started not too long ago is uh, Brave Wave. Now, Brave Wave's first release was this huge, just gorgeous beautiful cardboard box of street fighter 2 and inside the cardboard box there's four vinyls there's four records in there and now if you remember street fighter 2 had two different soundtracks it had uh the original street fighter 2 on up to uh champion and turbo had uh was the cps1 arcade board and had a very distinct sound and then later on when super street fighter uh and super street fighter to Turbo came out, uh, they moved to the CPS2 board, which had a distinctly different sound, but they've covered both of the soundtracks. They've got the CPS1 and the CPS2 version of the Street Fighter 2 soundtrack split up between these four vinyl albums, and uh, the first two are translucent blue, the other two are translucent orange. Oh, it's just a gorgeous box set, so I was really happy about that, and I had been saying forever, you know what really needs to come out on vinyl is um, Shovel Knight. I'd been saying I wish there was a Shovel Knight vinyl soundtrack because Shovel Knight is a great callback to the 8-bit era that, like, I just, I feel like those two would go beautiful together, this old throwback retro-style game on an old throwback retro-style um, vinyl, and it never happened. But now Brave Wave, their second release, they're releasing a big box just as nice as the Street Fighter 2 box 
of the Shovel Knight soundtrack. So I pre-ordered that one. I'm really looking forward to that. That's going to be cool. I, you know, I don't really spend money on stuff like this anymore. Now that I've got a kid, you know, I, I'm like, I, you know, I spend money on her and, I, you know, I, I worry about what she's doing and everything. But um, this is like one of the last things that I still like cling on to the one of the likes like these frivolous purchases that i don't make anymore but i don't know video game soundtracks on vinyl is just one of these things that i'm still like I, I'm, I'm collecting them I'm, I'm doing that kind of thing i also you know the other frivolous purchase i'm making recently is um disney infinity because uh, now that they've discontinued it they've got all kinds of deals going on walmart's got them for like five bucks a piece now uh toys r us for a while was doing a buy th- buy one get three free so uh, you'd pick up four of them for, you know, like 15 bucks. That was pretty cool. So I just, I have a whole bunch of Disney Infinities now. I've got pretty much all the Star Wars ones. I got all the Avengers. Uh, I've got the Guardians of the Galaxy. So yeah, I'm like, you know, pretty, I'm just, because they're so cheap. It's like, well, you know, I can get away with it. But then, you know, my wife said the other day, you know, I'm looking on your shelf and I'm noticing that these Disney Infinity kids, although they're like five bucks a piece, now you've spent like 60 bucks or more on them. It's like, yeah, well, you know, I'm getting a little overboard. Oh, but speaking of the Guardians of the Galaxy, did you see the trailer? Oh, man, it looks so good. I was... uh I was just blown away by it. The latest trailer that just came out well, it was a, it's a couple days ago. That uh, yeah, it just it just looks so dang good. And normally I don't watch second trailers because they give away too much of the movie. So I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna skip all the like a uh, Rogue One. I've skipped a lot of the ro- you know, the later Rogue One trailers. I'm like, ah, you know, I have no expectations for that movie, so I'm just gonna skip the trailers and go into it. Um, just, you know, blind, not knowing what's going on. That way, no, no, no expectations are set. I don't know really anything about it so you know i'll just go into that blind but guardians of the galaxy i kind of know what to expect so i'm like ah you know what i'll I'll watch that second trailer and spoil it it was a nice trailer didn't really spoil a lot of the movie just showed you how cool and funny it's going to be i absolutely love the first one i think james gunn's a pretty cool director so i'm really looking forward to it guardians of the galaxy is like if you're not into superhero stuff you should see it anyway because it's just like a good it's just a good sci-fi flick you don't like you don't get that anymore like there's not a good lot of good like space spaceship battles and adventures in space you don't really get that enough anymore i don't think like star trek and star wars are pretty much it now you know but uh, guardians of the galaxy great space adventure you don't have to be into marvel you don't have to know anything about superheroes or marvel characters and nothing like that they introduce you to the characters and it's just a heck of a lot of fun uh, i really um, i really dug the trailer i really love the first movie so um, I'm looking to looking forward to uh, the second one. Oh, and I was talking about my kids. Speaking of babies, well, my kid's not really a baby anymore, but it reminded me that our good friend Dillip from the show. He was uh, on one of my previous episodes here, and he was with me on Gaming FM. You know him from that clash. Uh, we were talking about how he's got a baby coming up. Well, it finally happened. And she's here, and she's happy and healthy, and we couldn't be happier for Dillup here. So definitely give him some warm congratulations on uh, the new baby. We're I'm, I'm so happy for him, and he's in for a hell of a ride and a hell of a lot of diaper changing. And yeah, it's gonna be horrible for a while, but then you know it'll get better. So oh, I also wanted to mention uh, no segue here, just go right into it. Uh, Red Repro. If you don't know, I've got um, a new video that I just posted where I talk about the FM audio on Sega Master System cartridges. So, you know, head over to Rad Repro, repro.rad.tv, and check that uh, that video out. Tell me what you think of the video. I think it sucks um, because I don't like the audio quality. So I watched it back, and I was like, well, I'm trying to show people 
like what the audio sounds like in these games and you know it's from like you know i recorded it on my iphone and it's pretty far away and like you can hear it but it doesn't sound that great so when i watched it back i'm like well you know it, it's okay but um i'd really like to be able to just uh capture these things rather than just record them with my uh, with my iphone so i actually went out and ordered up a uh, a video capture card uh it's the StarTech usb3 hd cap uh, apparently it's the only capture card out there that I was able to find in my research anyway that can capture two, 240p uh, over component. Like a lot of these other ones can't really do that. They'll capture it at 480p or 1080p. And as many of you know, when you try to, video games are 240p. So when you try and blow them up, you know, they kind of start looking cruddy the higher you get. 480p you can get away with, you know, with, you get some scan lines in there. But once you start getting up to 720, 1080, they just look really, really bad. So um, to find a capture card that captures at 240p over component, because the reason why you want to do it over component is because component is your pure RGB signal. Now I'm getting really technical here, so you may not be able to follow, but in, in the U.S., we got screwed. As usual, all of our connectors, they stink, man. So you got composite, which is the uh, the yellow connector, yellow, red, and white, and red and white are the left and right audio. Anybody who's hooked up a video game system or a VCR or anything probably has seen these connectors, and they absolutely stink. The signal's no good. So then the U.S., uh, around the SNES days, got S-Video. And uh, I was the first kid on the block to get uh, S-Video, and uh, whoa, man, it was a heck of an improvement over uh, composite, but, uh, you know, still not as good. At now, over in Europe, those guys over there got um, SCART, the SCART connector, and it's this big rectangular-shaped connector that probably nobody in the U.S. has ever seen, but basically that would pass uh, a pure RGB signal, which now... Any of the connectors in the U.S. will pass um, that RGB signal, and then it'll get downgraded and crudded up into a single connector. That just you know, it, it muds it up, and it doesn't look as good. But you know, red, green, and blue—that's the signal you want. That's the purest signal you can possibly get. So, I went out and bought all of the SCART connectors for all of the game systems from Europe. I ordered them all from Europe. So I have a SCART Genesis connector. I have a SCART SNES connector. Now, funny thing is, the old SNES, the original SNES, actually does uh, have RGB output natively. So you can plug that SCART cable in and it'll work. Same thing with any of the Sega systems. But the SNES Junior, the new SNES, has to be modded. You have to do an internal mod to get that RGB out of the system. So I went in and did that mod. So both my SNESs can output RGB. My Genesis and all the Sega systems can do it natively. Uh, Nintendo's another one. Nintendo, original Nintendo, you've got to do a mod to get this RGB signal out of it. I haven't done the Nintendo mod yet, so I'll get to that eventually. But for now, I've got all of my other systems uh, playable um, with RGB signal. So that's why I was really keen on finding a capture card that could capture out of uh, components so you get that RGB signal. Now I've got a converter that converts that European SCART connector to a component. So then I can go component into the capture card and then I'll get real nice, clear, crisp videos of my gameplay, which is the whole point of all of this technical jargon I've just been spouting out. I just want nice, clean, clear videos. I watch YouTube videos of gameplay and like some of them are just really muddy and really cruddy and it, I just really don't feel like watching them. So I was like, if I'm going to do gameplay videos i want them to be nice and crisp and clear and all this so i wanted to pop for a nice capture card that can do that so um, i got the StarTech one well not only can it do 240p over component but StarTech 
uh, is like uh, basically this company has taken all of the components out of a, a similar Japanese capture card that can uh, do the exact same thing. So they've just brought it over to the U.S. market. The Japanese capture card I'm referring to, though, is made by the same company that makes the XRGB Mini, which is, for those of you really technical into video games and making them look good on uh, flat screen TVs, the XRGB Mini is an upscaler that will make those 240p video games look just superb on a flat screen TV. So that company also came out with a capture card. That capture card was brought over to the U.S. by this company, StarTech, and that's the one I'm going to get. So if you know anything about this stuff, you know that this these companies make really good stuff. So I'm hoping that my videos will look uh, pretty cool because I'm looking to do a lot of really cool... Uh, well, you know, I want to do gameplay videos. And basically, the whole point of Rad Repro is I'm doing uh, ROM hacks, you know, improvements and, uh, you know, anything where uh, the game was uh, edited from the Japanese to the U.S. release and then they've ROM hacked it back to the Japanese. That's the stuff that I'm really into. I'm into make. I want all of the video games I play to be the best version of the video games that I play. So, for example, uh, Contra on uh, Famicom. Contra on Famicom uh, opened with a cutscene, and then before you started the level, there was a map that showed where you were, kind of like similar to what Ghouls and Ghosts does. They'll show you that map at the beginning before you start the level, kind of show you where you are. Contra does that too in the Japanese version. The wind is blowing in the first level, and the trees are blowing in the wind, and the, the, the trees don't move. Uh, in the background in the first level of Contra, but they do in uh, the Japanese version. So you got the trees moving, you got cutscenes, you got the map screen. Uh, you In uh, the snow level, the snow actually falls in the snow level. It doesn't in the U.S. version. So there's a lot of improvements. So it's like, well, when I play Contra, I want to play that version. I want to play the best version. But the cutscene is in Japanese. So obviously, I'm not going to be able to read it. A lot of Americans aren't going to be able to read it. So uh, somebody went in and ROM hacked it translated all the Japanese text into English, and now you can play Japanese version of Contra in English with all the cutscenes and all the... But that's the kind of stuff I'm interested in. So when I make a repro to sell on the shop, I want to be able to show people, like, hey, man, this is what's different about it. Here's, what, here's all the improvements. Here's all the things that are in it. So then if I make these uh, videos with this capture card, I should, uh, should be able to show you a lot better. My prototype of this was that uh, FM audio video for the Sega Master System, but again, the audio's muddy, it sounds kind of far away, so I really wanted to just be able to do uh, this kind of thing. And plus, I've got more videos coming, more gameplay videos, stuff for Rad Repro, and also stuff for uh, Rad's Basement, for the podcast. I want to do videos for the podcast, too. One of the things I talked about with a couple of the guys from uh, EGM, uh, with Valis and uh, also with Terry and Danyan, uh, we want to start doing uh, gameplay videos where we actually take some of our favorite retro games and we're like, hey man, here's a game that Valis likes. We're all going to sit here and we're going to play it, and then we'll capture the uh, we'll capture the gameplay, we'll capture our reactions playing it. You know, we'll do all that kind of stuff. Um, another thing we wanted to do is uh, videos uh, where we look at old EGM issues and kind of critique them and everything. We thought that would be fun. So, yeah, a lot of weird stuff like that coming down the pipe. But it all starts with getting this capture card and getting that set up. So look for some kind of cool videos and stuff um, that I'm going to be doing pretty soon. Speaking of Rad Repro also, um, I'm going to actually start doing a foray into SNES. I've never done SNES games before. And uh, there's never really been anything I've been interested in. I mean, I know a lot of people like Zelda Parallel Worlds. That's a big uh, repro, a SNES repro that people play in that. But uh, never really got, I'm like, well, you know, for one game, I'm not really interested in uh, doing all the research and development. And, uh, you know, but now somebody finally 
came out with a a version of Super Castlevania 4 for SNES where they've taken all of the Japanese to American edits and you know they basically put the American version back the way the Japanese ones. So for instance in the Japanese version there was a level uh, that was all blood, okay? There was like uh, blood pouring out of the walls and there was like a pool of blood at the bottom of the level and if you fell in you died. Um, that all the red blood was changed to green for the American version. So now it's like the green slime level. It's like a horrible green slime level. And it's like, well, it's Castlevania vampires and demons. And we're like, we know there's blood around, but for some reason in the U S it's, um, you know, green slime. So, yeah. Also they took all the crosses out. So like anytime there's a cemetery or anything, any religious references had to be removed. So like all the crosses are gone. Uh, if you watch the opening, uh, text crawl, the opening intro of the game, there's, uh, you know, Dracula's tombstone is right there. And there's a big cross on top of the tombstone. They took that out. Um, they took out a bunch of crosses in the background that were in the, uh, in the cemetery. So, uh, yeah, it's like just little weird edits like this that were, uh, you know, it, it came to, when it came to the American region, that's, you know, those were in there. So somebody took and uh, edited that. Now, the reason nobody has done an edit before this is because a lot of the Konami SNES games uh, are compressed. They, uh, Konami used uh, a compression algorithm. So when you get the game code and look at it, you can't really tell what's going on because everything's compressed to make the ROM smaller. And so you can't you can't figure out what's happening. And somebody finally figured out the compression algorithm, came out with a program that decompresses all this stuff. I know this is real technical stuff that nobody cares about, but it's interesting to me that somebody was able to finally, after all these years, decompress these games. So like Contra Three, uh, Super Castlevania Four, and Gradius Three now have level editors out there, so people can actually do ROM hacks to those games. So, you know, anybody who knows me knows I'm a big Konami freak. You know, Contra, Castlevania, Gradius, the three of my biggest favorite series, you know. So when I hear anything about any type of ROM hack for one of those games, you know, I'm on board. I want to find out more about it. So once I found out about the Super Castlevania 4, I became, like, interested in doing SNES. So I'm like, you know what, maybe I'll start doing some SNES games. And then uh, right around that same time, one of my customers on Red Repro contacted me and said, hey, there's a particular game. Um, I don't want to reveal it just yet because, you know, I'll unveil it in one of my videos and surprise everyone. But he's like, there's one particular game that I'm interested in. Uh, can you do a repro of it? I'm like, you know what, I've never done SNES, but I've been thinking about it. So I'm going to start doing that. So uh, I'm going to order some SNES boards and I'm going to start messing around with it and see uh, what I can do. There's a company out there called uh, Infinite NES Lives, and he's making some really nice uh, boards. He's making some uh, NES boards. He's making SNES boards. Uh, so, you know, I'm probably going to just order from him. I'm, I'm trying to get away from using donor cartridges. Now, donor cartridge is uh, when you just get an old SNES game or old Genesis game and you tear it apart and you, you know, you build the game out of that. Part of it is that uh, it's more difficult to do Nintendo games because whereas Sega used all off-the-shelf electronic components, Nintendo built all of their own proprietary stuff. So it's a lot more difficult to do Nintendo repros than it is Sega repros because none of the off-the-shelf chips and EEPROMs and everything, none of those work or are compatible with NES and SNES, whereas they're compatible with Genesis. You've got to do all kinds of rewiring and all this extra stuff. It's a lot of extra labor that just isn't conducive to the amount of time that I have available to me. So I'm like, well, this guy on Infinite Nest Lives is, you know, he has these boards available. I'll just order them from him, and then I'll be able to make all the games I want without any rewiring or anything like that. It'll be a lot easier, and I can keep the shop going because, you know, if I get bogged down with doing all this rewiring, I can't make the games as fast as I want to. I get bogged down. 
I can't churn out the games I want to I want to make available to everybody. So I just as soon buy these boards. The other reason is uh, just for preservation, you know, because every time you use a donor, that's one less game that's out there in the world. Now the games that I use are typically, you know, they have rental stickers all over them. Their labels are ripped. Their shells are just really scratched up, you know. So th those are the kind of games that I typically use for donors. But there's a finite amount of those in the world, and eventually the world's going to be out of you know, cruddy donors that I could use from like, you know, rental shops and stuff. So um, in order to keep things going, I got to figure out a way to kind of get around that and make things, uh, you know, how am I going to do this in the future? You know, once all these games run out. So uh, that's kind of the other reason why I'd start switching to uh, boards from, um, you know, made, made by a company here um, to be able to do that kind of thing. Um, the other thing was um, the NES Classic. So I finally got a hold of one of these NES Classic things. And, um, you know, I'm having some buyer's remorse, I got to tell you, because uh, I'm the kind of guy who, ha and I'm, you know, it, I, I can do a little mini review of it here, but, uh, you know, I'm really the wrong guy to be reviewing the NES Classic edition uh, because I'm the kind of guy who builds Raspberry Pis and emulators and repros and, and things like that. So I have access to all these better versions of these games than were available, you know, out there. So it's like, the, I want to play those versions. It's like I said before, I want to play the best possible version of every game that I can. Um, so when I play some of these games, it's like, okay, one of the games is Punch-Out! featuring Mr. Dream. Well, the Punch-Out I played was uh, Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. So, you know, I want to play Mike Tyson when I get to the end. I don't want to play made-up Mr. Dream that I know just replaced Mike Tyson when their licensing ran out or, you know, whatever the case. So, um, you know, I want to play that version. Um, another one is uh, Super Mario 2. Uh, well, in my world, Super Mario 2 is um, the clone of Super Mario 1 that's a lot harder. Um, it's known in the U.S. as the Lost Levels, which I, I'm not really keen on that name. I just like to call it Super Mario 2. And then the vegetable pulling one that we got, Super Mario 2, I refer to that one as Super Mario USA. So that's when I play Super Mario 2, I play the Japanese Super Mario 2. So I see Super Mario 2 on the next classic, I'm just like, because I know that's just a replacement for a game that, you know, we really should have had. You know, so there's stuff like that where I wish it was like the best possible version of some of these games. But, uh, you know, there's nothing really, really uh, you can do about that. The other one is there's no Contra. Where's Contra? You know, there's Super C. Super C is one of my favorite arcade games, but I the, the home version just didn't grab me as much as the arcade version did. But the home version of the original Contra is excellent. I think it um, I think it's actually better than the arcade of the original Contra. So uh, yeah, but it's not uh, it's not on there. So uh, and in any case, even if it was on there, it would be the one where the trees don't move and all that. So it's like, well, eh, you know, I don't really want to uh, do that. I have a version of Metroid with um, uh, save states, with like battery backup saves instead of the password system. Uh, I have a version of uh, Castlevania 2 with uh, battery backup instead of passwords. So uh, Castlevania 2 and Metroid both use the old archaic password system. Uh, so again, you know, I have better versions of these, of these games, both in cartridge form and uh, on my Raspberry Pi. So it's like, they, you know, those are the versions I want to play. So when I look at the NES Classic, I'm like, well, it's cool and nostalgic and it's neat. It's made by Nintendo. It's an official product and it's just a little tiny NES and that's really where it ends. It's the nostalgia. That's where it ends. Uh, the actual games, I'd get bored of them you know, pretty fast. So um, 
I hate to say it, but it's probably going to end up getting hocked on eBay or something like that so somebody can have a good Christmas with this thing under the tree because I know they're really hard to find. But uh, I managed to get one, uh, you know, online. Just, you know, I went to walmart.com and just happened to sneak in there when they had one. So, uh, but if you're looking for one of these, I highly recommend uh, going to a website called BrickSeek. Uh, BrickSeek ha- uh, has a... Um, a thing that checks inventory at these different shops. So you go to BrickSeek and you can do, uh, it's only Target and Walmart are the only two shops it can do, but you can check the inventory of Target and Walmart. Uh, If you have the free time, which I don't, and you find that they become available at Target, like you check like nine o'clock at night or in the middle of the night. And then, uh, you know, if they've got them in stock, go wait in line, go two and a half hours before the store opens and just wait in line and you'll get one at Target. Uh, otherwise, use a Walmart checker, and right now Walmart's getting them on uh, their online. So you go to uh, one, if they if you see your shop has inventory, go to Walmart.com, snatch it up real quick. But uh, BrickSeek.com is the place to start. Just go to Google and type uh, BrickSeek Target Inventory Checker or BrickSeek Walmart Inventory Checker. If you really want a Nest Classic under the tree, that's uh, that's the place to go to uh, be able to do that. Uh, also, there's a Reddit thread, uh, Reddit Mini Nests. So uh, if you go to Mini Nest, you can kind of find out from other people looking for them, you know, that's, uh, you know, where you can find them at. So that's what I did. I went to Reddit, and then Reddit users recommended this BrickSeek. So I went to BrickSeek, saw Walmart had one, snatched it up online, and, uh, you know, I got one fairly easily. So uh, and then I, I busted it open and started checking it out and realized, huh, well, you know, while it's cool to have it sitting there on the shelf, it looks cool and everything. And, uh, you know, it's got short wires, big deal. I'm not, you know, I'm not too concerned about that. I know a lot of people uh, in their reviews online are uh, are getting cranky about that. But, uh, you know, the short wires, if you've ever played games on the original Famicom or uh, even the uh, the new Famicom, um, it's the same way. You know, I'm used to short cables. The, the cables have always been short, you know, so it's it's uh, it's really not that big deal to me. Uh, there's a company, uh, Insignia. You can go to uh, Best Buy. Best Buy has uh, these Insignia controller extension cables, or six-feet extenders. So if you're really worried about the uh, the cables being too short on the controllers, just get the Insignia extension cables. You know, it's not that big a deal just to uh, to, to make them longer that way. But uh, yeah, Nest Classic for me, um, you know, it's not worth 65 bucks or however much it is just to have it sitting there looking cool and tiny, you know, cool, tiny Nintendo, you know, it's, it's just not enough for me. So, uh, but for average Joe who doesn't, uh, build repros and, uh, have access to uh, raspberry Pi and, uh, setting all that up. Now I will say this compared to the raspberry Pi, the setup is a peach. Okay. You plug the thing into HDMI and it freaking works. Okay. That's wonderful. Raspberry Pi was a hellish nightmare to set up and get all the ROMs plugged into. There's just so much to do to get that thing up and running. But uh, the Nest Classic, hey man, plug and play. That's one thing that's nice about it. Another thing too about the Nest Classic, now I'm used to this on Raspberry Pi. The games looks pristine, even on a flat screen. And it's just because, you know, the, the great upscaling that's in there. Same thing with the Nest Classic. The games look amazing on a flat screen TV. So that's another plus for the Nest Classic. So again, I'm the wrong guy to be reviewing this thing because for me, I've got Raspberry Pi and, and repros and all this. So I don't really need this thing. So I got it. I broke it open, I had buyer's remorse, and I'm probably going to sell it just because it's me. Uh, but for average Joe, definitely pick this thing up. You know, if you don't have access to all this weird stuff that I do, it's a very cool throwback. Um, they have the uh, Atari throwbacks. They have the uh, the Genesis one. I actually really like the Genesis one because the Genesis one has a freaking cartridge slot, so you can plug in cartridges into it. That's really cool. So you can uh, you, and you can either do the NES Classic or um, 
the uh, there's the AVS uh, Nest now. They some some dude out online made a new version of the Nest that takes HDMI and uh, upscales original cartridges, makes them look really nice, just like the Nest Classic does. So if you can't get a Nest into Classic, maybe you can get the AVS Nest. It's uh, pretty nice too. I think I'm saying that right. AVS. I'm not sure. Well, any case, um, yeah, Nest Classic definitely something to check out. I gave you a couple uh, cool ways you can go about picking one up if you want to play some old Nest games and not have to go through the trouble of setting up a Raspberry Pi or or anything like that, or uh, pestering me to do it. You know, you can just uh, go uh, go online and uh, get it at Walmart. You know, that's uh, that's where I got mine. But uh, you'll probably enjoy yours. Um, I'll, mine's just going to sit on a shelf and collect dust because I have better versions of the game. So, uh, yeah, that's my uh, mini review of the NES Classic. I'm the wrong guy to review it, though. Um, it's a great thing. Don't misunderstand. I think it's a great thing. I think it's pretty cool. I like the HDMI. It's really easy to set up. And it's cool that the connectors are compatible with uh, the Wii. You can plug in the classic controllers that come with it into your one of your Wii remotes and play your virtual console games. I don't know why you'd want to do it, though, because the virtual console games compared to the NES Classic look so muddy. I've always thought that if you've ever played any of the games on the uh, virtual console on the Wii or the Wii U, the games look so muddy. They've put some kind of filter on them to try and give them scan lines or something, and they just look really muddy and really dark. And the NES Classic, they are just bright and shiny and perfect. They look really, really nice compared to the virtual console. So that's a plus. It's definitely got a lot uh, going for it. I know some people were complaining about the controllers not having the classic NES input, but, you know, at least they made it compatible with something. The Wii, the Wii connector is the connector they're using right now, so they use that, and it makes it compatible with the systems they have out now. So I think that's a plus. I think that's nice that they did that, and you can use your uh, Wii U Classic controllers on the NES Classic. You know, I have the Hori Classic controller for the Wii that came from Japan that actually has turbo for every button, kind of like uh, akin to the old uh, ASCII pads or Asai pads for uh, the SNES. So, uh, yeah, I, uh, you know, I could use those controllers on the NES Classic if I wanted to. So that's really nice. So don't get me wrong. I think it's a great thing, and I think they did a good job. It's pretty cool. But for me, personally, you know, I'll stick to, you know, what I already have here. So there you go, NES Classic. Um, the other thing that I was going to talk about was Dragon Ball Super. Um, now, all the anime haters can now tune out of the show. It's over for you. But for those who, uh, and I won't talk about it for very long, but, ba but essentially what I wanted to tell you is that Dragon Ball Super is now available on Crunchyroll. Now, for those who don't know what Crunchyroll is, if anybody watches anime, it's a place to go for free anime in standard def. If you want to watch it in high def, you can pay them a monthly fee and subscribe, and then you can get the high def anime. Uh, but, uh, you know, Dragon Ball Super being on Crunchyroll is a pretty special thing. So now uh, it's actual official subtitles from Toei. They're not, you know, fan subs or anything like that. Although the people that were doing the fan subs were doing a good job, although they were a little late at times. They, you know, when they did come out, they did a great job, I thought. But uh, now they're coming from uh, Toei Direct via Crunchyroll. And uh, Crunchyroll, they started out with the new episodes, but now they've gone all the way back to episode one. And they've got them all up there. And if you even have a passing familiarity with Dragon Ball. You like you know of it a little bit or you've seen a little bit of Dragon Ball Z. I highly recommend Dragon Ball Super. It is just a fantastic show. It takes Dragon Ball to the next level. It uh, Some of the stories that are going on are some of the best stories they've ever done in Dragon Ball. And uh, it's actually written by the original guy that wrote Dragon Ball, Akira Toriyama, the guy that did the comic, which was then adapted into Dragon Ball and then Dragon Ball Z, is now writing Dragon Ball Super. So it's still done by the original guy. It's actual canon Dragon Ball. It's not like uh, Dragon Ball GT was where it was, you know, written by the people that wrote the 
um, the movies and the non-canon episodes of the cartoon. It's actually written by Toriyama. So he's doing some great stuff uh, with the characters and actually diving more into their relationships and diving more into their powers and doing all kinds of really, really neat stuff and introduced this wonderful, wonderful character. I I absolutely love the character uh, Beerus. It's this new character that he introduced. He's the god of destruction. He's like really the strongest guy Goku's ever faced. And... Um, Goku can't beat him. That's what I really like. They're doing things in Dragon Ball Super they've never done before. Goku always overcomes his adversaries, and this time he can't do it. He can't beat this guy Beerus. He is just miles stronger than Goku, and it's just really cool to see their dynamic and see how that all shapes up. Uh, I've also said forever that I always wished that Goku and Vegeta would fight together and train together and become more friendly with each other. And uh, now that's happening too. Goku and Vegeta are training together under the sky. And, uh, you know, they're just becoming like better. Like they're not, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't call them friends, but it's certainly like something I always wanted to see is Goku and Vegeta teaming up and doing more together. And uh, they're, 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 they're my two favorite characters. So it's really cool to see them. And I really love the new character of Beerus. And they're just doing amazing stuff. So you can go to crunchyroll.com and just search up Dragon Ball Super. And you can just watch all the episodes for free and just re- you know really get into the show. I know, you know some people are like, yeah, it's a cartoon or it's an anime or it's this. But, you know, there's a reason I love it so much. So, you know, if you, if you give it a shot, you know, who knows, you might actually like it. It, it definitely helps if you've seen uh, the stuff that came before, you know, Dragon Ball Z and all that. I mean, you're, if you go into Dragon Ball Super without ever having seen anything else, you're going to be like, what is happening here? It's a little tough to get, you know, to, to get over that hurdle. But uh, if you've seen Dragon Ball Z, uh, it definitely helps. But yeah, I uh, wasn't sure what I was going to expect from Dragon Ball Super when it first came out because, uh, you know, I, I've talked about this uh, on my old podcast, Gaming AM with Tom, that anime is just not what it used to be. So I didn't know what to expect. But, uh, you know, they really really are doing something special with Dragon Ball Super. It's uh, it's really a great show and possibly some of the best stuff they've ever done with Dragon Ball and those characters. And, uh, you know, I just really love the show. So if you should check it out if you get a chance. It's, uh, it's on Crunchyroll.com. And give it a shot. It's pretty cool. The other thing is uh, I'm recording this today, Monday, December 5th. And I'm actually going to put this live on today, Monday, December 5th. And I, the reason I did it so late was just because, uh, you know, I was trying to uh, trying to see how the weather was going to be. And then, uh, you know, it just ended up not working out because of the snow. So, uh, you know, I said, well, you know, I'll just put now I'll record one today. I'll put it up there today and get it out there. So it's the 5th now. Uh, on the 9th, which is uh, on Friday, um, I'm going to be at the uh, the Pixel Blast Arcade with a couple of my buddies there. I'm going to uh, Mike Vallis, who you know from the show, and uh, Daniel uh, Carpenter will hopefully be there too, as well as hopefully uh, um, Terry Minnick, who was also on the show, and uh, maybe Paul Ojeda, you know, the other owner of the Pixel Blast. We'll see who's going to be there, but uh, we're going to go on Friday. So uh, you know, if you know. Um, if you're in the Chicago area, you want to, you know, hang out with us or whatever, we're going to be there on Friday, hopefully. And, uh, you know, we'll, uh, there's going to be some lot of uh, EGM reminiscing, I'm sure, as there always is. There's going to be some video games. There's going to be uh, a lot of laughs. So, uh, you know, if you're in the area and you know us and you're, you, you want to check out the arcade, um, you know, go there on Friday. We're going to be there on Friday hanging out and doing some, uh, you know, what we usually do there. Which uh, usually consists of just sitting around um, being old men and talking about, uh, you know, the old times, the better times, like I talked about before, that nostalgia, um, escaping the 
horrors of the real world, you know, as it were. Uh, last thing I have is uh, Rogue One. Uh, I'm going to go see Rogue One uh, in a couple weeks when it comes out uh, from today. So uh, we're going to try and do some sort of thing uh, with the podcast where we talk about it. Maybe uh, talk about it a little bit before. Uh, I honestly don't know what I'm going to talk about if we talk about it before because I have no expectations for the movie. So, yeah, I don't know, but we'll see uh, what happens. So, But I said uh, I talked to my, my buddy Coop, who you've heard me talk about my buddy Coop on the show many times. So I actually was finally going to get him on the show. So uh, maybe we'll do something with Rogue One. Maybe we won't. I don't know what we're going to end up doing. But, uh, you know, I can never say who my next guest is going to be. This all happens by the seat of my pants. I don't have... Uh, you know, I don't have a whiteboard or plans or outlines or anything like that. I just uh, start texting people and say, hey, you want to be on a podcast? And whoever's on is on. And, you know, that's kind of how it works out. So, um, but, uh, you know, when we said we were going to see Rogue One, I said, you know, it would be cool if we did something uh, with the podcast with that. So, you know, I said, maybe we'll uh, try and, you know, we'll do a little bit before, we'll do a little bit after, and we'll talk about it and kind of give our take on it and see what we think. And uh, maybe we'll avoid spoilers. Maybe we won't. I don't know. But we'll certainly warn you uh, beforehand if there is going to be spoilers. And then that way, hopefully, you've seen it and uh, nothing will be ruined. But, uh, you know, it's a Star Wars flick. Uh, the first flick that's uh, not going to be in uh, as part of the uh, you know the trilogy. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm interested to see uh, what's going to uh, be in there. I've heard little rumblings here and there that it's uh, the end of the movie is going to lead right up to right before the uh, opening of uh, A New Hope. It's going to take you right to that moment. Uh, you know, we'll see what happens. You know, I'm, uh, like I said, no expectations. I don't know. Am I going to like it? Am I not going to like it? Uh, I read online that George Lucas liked it, so yeah, I don't know what that means. But, uh, you know, uh, I liked Force Awakens. He didn't. So, um, you know, if he likes Rogue One and it's more his style, I don't know. I'm a little worried. But, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Maybe it'll surprise me. Maybe it'll be good. And, uh, you know, after we watch it or even before we watch it, maybe we'll try to do something with the podcast. But, uh We'll, uh, we'll see what happens there. So that's it. That's all I got for you today. Uh, just a short one. I just wanted to get something out there, talk about a couple things. Normally when I have guests on, I don't like to bog them down with all uh, the minutia of what I've got going on. So occasionally there'll be episodes like this where I take uh, a moment, just uh, me and you, and we'll sit here and talk about some of the things uh, that I want to talk about. And uh, you listen because you're not here to uh, to respond. So, uh, yeah, today was just, uh, you know, a bunch of this stuff. I just wanted to catch up on some of the stuff that uh, I had going on, talk about some uh, cool stuff that's going on here. Uh, but if you like the podcast and you want to hear more, you want to follow what's going on, you know, as always, podcast.rad.tv is the website. Now, the thing that I'm finding recently, I'm looking at the, um, at the listener numbers. Um, and what I'm finding is that every time there's a new episode, there's a spike in the previous episode. So like people seem to be missing the current episode. And I was talking about this, this, uh, with Daniel and, uh, you know, it happened again the week after that with Terry, where the listener numbers were real low, but then when the episode would come out, the listener numbers of the previous episode would spike and get really high. So it seems like people are missing when the episodes are coming out, people don't know or they forget or, you know, they, you know, or they don't get a notification from iTunes or Google Play or what's going on. So what I want to say now is that the best way to know what's going on is to go to either Facebook or Twitter. I always post the new episodes on there. So please, please, please go to those places, you know, and, and uh, just give a like on Facebook and give a follow on Twitter so you always know what's going on. You don't miss any new episodes and, you, and, you know, you always know what's happening. And, you know, the more likes I have on Facebook, the more follows I have on Twitter, the more the word gets spread and the more I'm able, you know, the more people listen to me, 
the more stuff I can do by just being able to say, hey, I have this many likes and this many follows. Come on in. People will know what's going on. I'm really reaching a wider audience and then I can do you know, a lot more stuff. I have tons of ideas and I want to be able to do them. So the more people are listening, the more I'll get a chance to do. So definitely go to Facebook. Definitely go to Twitter. Do me a favor. Spread the word. Let people know about what's going on if you like what's going on. And again, I already talked about Rad Repro. Repro.rad.tv. A lot of cool stuff coming down the pipe. I know I always say that. It happens at a snail's pace. Anybody that follows me knows that. But it is happening. SNES games are coming. We're going to do the, this cool stuff. So that's it. I'm Ray Price. Thank you so much, as always, for listening. You know, I, I'm not really concerned with the numbers. I don't care how many people are listening. But to know that some people are and they appreciate what's going on. You take your time to listen to my babble. And that means a lot to me. Thank you so much. I don't get to say that a lot. But, uh, you know, in case I don't say it enough, certainly thank you for tuning into my show whenever it comes out listening to what I have going on and uh, I appreciate the support check you next time